0: horses up front what do you mean the d-line is sucked for three years and what do they do they re signed tyler lancaster and dean lowry oh they're still bad what a shocking development
1: this is where wisconsin gathers to talk sports packers brewers badgers bucks the wisco sports show is on the air here's your host Grant bills
0: I started watching Ted Lasso last night. Won a bunch of Emmys the other night, so I was like, all right, whatever, I'll watch it. You might be thinking, wow, grant. Springing for Apple TV, look at you. Ah, uh, no. I found a friend who had a who had a login. I asked around. Ted Lasso, very if you haven't seen it, I feel like most people have. I feel like I'm kind of late to the party, which is fine. Very uplifting, very positive, very wholesome. It's great. Makes you feel good. And I think that feeling from last night when I started Ted Lasso was carried into today. Because I watched Aaron Rodgers' press conference this afternoon, and I I didn't feel the the normal sense of being jaded. I didn't feel frustrated. I didn't feel like I was judging every word that came out of his mouth before it came out of his mouth. Now, I still think he sounded kind of... to imitate Kramer or a noise that he would make. Like, he still sounds loopy. But I, I was more accepting of it today. And I think a great night's sleep, one played into that. I had some delicious coffee today. They're brought to work with me. I made it home. But I also think watching Jason Sudeikis and Ted Lasso last night gave me a little bit of a different outlook. You know what? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And that's the MO that I'm going to carry from now until six o'clock. More likely, probably until about 4.08. That's probably when that will go out the window. But just know that we're going to get off on a positive start. You know, on the right foot, at least. We'll see how long it, it lasts. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had a wonderful day. I think tonight's show is going to be better than last night. Not that last night's show was bad. I didn't have the oomph that I was hoping. And I think I'm going to make up for it tonight. Talk a little bit about the Brewers, specifically at 4.30 and right before 6 o'clock. I think we have to declare another must-win tonight. I know it's been two and three days, but hey, when duty calls, I'm not in charge of this. When a game needs to be declared a must-win, we declared a must-win. I'm merely a vessel. I declare what games need to be declared. I know it's two and three days, but we might have to declare tonight's game a must-win. I'll explain that coming up. Going to talk about the Brewers' offense that's been a little sluggish. So I basically pulled out some show notes from April, and we're just going to redo that whole thing. I'm just going to redo the same same talking points. Kidding! No! Original content. Brewers, 430. I want to start with the Packers and Joe Barry's defense. You can join the show if you'd like. Send me a text. 608-796-2558. 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. You can follow me and tweet me at Wisco Grant. I tweeted out a couple of tidbits throughout the day, things that we're going to get to on the show tonight. So if you follow me on Twitter, great, you saw that. And if not, you're missing out. You're missing out on these little Easter eggs, these fun little messages that I'm trying to get you so when we get together at four and five o'clock, we're we're ready. We're we're ready to go. Follow me on Twitter so we can keep up with each other, not just from four to six p.m., but all the time when we're watching Brewer Games, Packer Games. And when it's 1 a.m. and we're tweeting nonsense because nobody can sleep. You don't want to miss out on that. Follow me, at Grant on Twitter. I have the wrong show notes in front of me. Give me a sec. I'm looking at yesterday. What did we start with yesterday? What did we start with yesterday? Joe Barry's defense. Yeah, we slammed Joe Barry yesterday. And I think today's show is going to be more productive. I had a friend text me who works in radio last night. And he said, hey, how was your show today? I wasn't. I was like, ah, it was fine. It's some fun banter, and the Packers won, so that's always nice. I think people were in a positive mood. I know it was just the lines, but it's still a win, and it was the first win of the season. Packers got their first touchdown of the season. That was nice, so who are we to be negative, right? We can't be—beggars can't be choosers. That was the first win, so I I do think we were positive yesterday. But I think the show last night was just, eh, it was just fine, because I don't know what we accomplished. When I turned off the microphone at 6, I was like, did we learn anything? Did we get any new ideas? Did we draw any new conclusions? I don't think we did yesterday. What we did, essentially, was complain about Joe Barry and Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry, which you heard in the the show open, and Kevin King. And then that was kind of it. We wrapped up and we went home, which is fine. The defense isn't very good, but complaining isn't going to get us anywhere, right? What can we learn? That's why I want to start again tonight with Joe Barry and the defense. Hopefully, this is a more productive conversation. Hopefully, something becomes of this. We're not going to solve the Middle Eastern crisis. We're not going to create world peace or solve climate change, but maybe we can learn a little something and have a better idea of what we're dealing with with the Packers defense moving forward rather than just complaining. Suck swamp water. That's just, it's fun, but it gets a little old. First off, something that I didn't really mention yesterday and I want to reiterate. If it hadn't rained the other night during Packers-Lions, I'm not sure the defense would have gotten any better. I think there's this prevailing narrative or notion out of Monday night. Well, the defense started slow, but then they got it together. They made adjustments. And yeah, I think they made adjustments. They started sending extra pressure. You saw it right before halftime when they sent a little corner blitz. That was some nice action. And then on the second half, they brought more pressure and they turned it up on Jared Goff. Yes. But I don't know if it would have made a difference to the point where we'd be talking about it, positively, if it hadn't started raining. The Lions had three scoring drives of seven plus plays in the first half. They were Long, sustained drives with lots of success. It's not like they got lucky hitting a 40-yard touchdown and one big play. No, no, no. They were putting together good drives with multiple good plays, picking up positive yardage, moving the sticks. They were productive. And it wasn't just fluky. They had three scoring drives in the first half of seven-plus plays. They moved the ball. And we talked about this yesterday. It felt like in the first half, man, if if they could hold the Lions to a four-yard run on first down, that's like the best-case scenario, which is bad. We weren't hoping for sacks. We weren't hoping for incomplete passes. Just like, yo, if you can force a second or five and more, I'll take it. That's how bad the defense was in the first half. Then when the second half rolled around, they started the half with an eight-play drive, and then they were turned over on downs on fourth and one, which, good, yes, I believe it was Eric Stokes that had the pass defense, but also I'm not really sure why the Lions threw the ball there. They were running the ball at will. I think if they handed off on that drive— Maybe that drive goes differently. Maybe there's points. I don't know why they threw. Who knows? I I appreciate the nards from Dan Campbell, but man, you're gutting the Packers up the middle to hand the ball off. Then after that drive, the next two drives were stalled by fumbles. And they weren't forced fumbles. One was a drop snap, and the other one was Jared Goff trying to make a throw, and the ball came out of his hand. It's not like Rashawn Gary knocked it out of there. Kenny Clark knocked it out of there. They were self-inflicted wounds. So the three drives to start the second half stopped on a fourth and one. Packers got a little lucky there with the play call, I think. And then two self-inflicted wounds, two fumbles on the next two drives. And then the Lions put together a nice drive later, but that was in garbage time, so it doesn't really matter. The Lions beat themselves in the second half. Maybe Joe Barry made some slight adjustments, but I think if the weather stays clear and the Lions don't pee down their leg, that half looks differently. And I don't know if we're celebrating improvement in the second half. In fact, Dan Campbell talked about it after the game. talked about how we kind of were our own worst enemy. I don't know if the Packers really
2: beat us. The turnover, I mean, that was ultimate. That was the big thing. It wasn't like we couldn't run it. It was, you know, we, uh, I mean, every time offensively we struggled is because we shot ourselves in the foot. Even the pos- the one possession we didn't score in, in the first half was by our own doing. You know, we had a holding call, we had a false start, we had an intentional grounding. You know, and then you go the second half and. You know we had the fumbled snap so that's a wasted snap you know they they fall on it we have the interception trying to make a play which i understand why he's trying to make a play you're down that much he's um but you know it's self-inflicted wounds i mean you know and then you get you reach a certain point where you're trying to continue to run your offense and be able to run it a little bit run the ball but yet you're also pressed you're pressed for time we only have two timeouts you're down three scores and you kind of get put in a bind. That's not the world we want to live in. I like Dan Campbell.
0: I like what he's got going on. I like his energy. I like his attitude. I I think he's the kind of guy that Detroit needs. Like, come in and make the best of a situation and just be positive and just have energy because Detroit's not the place you want to be right now. Like, they're dragging Detroit because Matt Stafford's finally out of there and they're terrible and they got Goff who nobody wants to talk about. It's like he's been exiled to Detroit. This football wasteland. You need guys like Dan Campbell and Jamal Williams you are just going to come in. It's like, look, how lucky are we to play football? We get to play 17 games in the coolest football league in the world. We get to play in the NFL. How great is that? I like Dan Campbell's attitude. I sneaky kind of hope the Lions have a good season and they start to build something. It'd be great for football. It'd be great for the division. I like Dan Campbell. I hope he sticks. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how this defense has issues. And if it hadn't gotten rainy and Jared Goff's hands were a little bit bigger, Maybe Monday night wouldn't have been such a convincing win for the Packers. This defense has issues. But then again, the Packers defense had issues last year at this time. They were historically bad to start the season. And so were the Seahawks. I remember talking about this out of the jump. And I went back today and I did some research um, mid-September, early October last year on both of these teams. Let's go back to September 28th, 2020. That was the day after the Packers won at the Saints on Sunday night football. And they moved to 3-0. And we're like, oh, this team is legit. Right? Because they beat Minnesota week one, 43-34. At U.S. Bank with no fans. Then week two, they beat Detroit at Lambeau, 42-21. I didn't remember a detail from that game. I had to go back and look today. That was the the game that Aaron Jones, you know, had the big run to start the second half. Right? And then week three, that was the real test. And they beat the Saints in the Superdome, albeit without fans. And that was the day we were like, all right, this is a legit team. And after that 3-0 and start... Rodgers and people in press conferences were comparing the offense to 2011 to 2014, some of their best years where everything was cohesive and they had great talent and they had veterans, right? However, the defense was equally historically bad. One of the worst defenses historically, at least relative to the Rodgers era, which is like 2008 and beyond until now. So we're talking about 2011, where the Packers had their best ever offense, but also their worst ever defense under McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers, this historical version, this iteration of the Packers. Those three wins started last season. The defense was last through three weeks in yards per play, 6.6. 28th in yards per attempt, 7.8. Very similar to the 2011 Packers defense that was 6.9 yards per play. Nice. 7.5 yards per attempt. Basically identical. Through three weeks last season, the Packers were 14th in yards allowed, 14th in rushing, 18th in passing, Two reasons to kind of discount that stat a little bit. You might, oh, they're middle of the league. Well, total yardage is very misleading, especially with a small sample size. And the offense was so good, the time of possession helps kind of keep those numbers down. By comparison, the 2011 team was able to go 15-1 and one because their offense helped carry the load like the offense helped carry the load at least through three weeks last season. Also, and this is nothing new, the Packers couldn't tackle, right? In that game against the Saints, they gave up 2.9 yards after contact per catch, Grass is green. Water is blue, right? The Packers can't tackle. That was true in 2011. 2014 It's true last year. It seems to be true again this year. That's not surprising. Seattle last year started the year very similarly. They were the first team ever in NFL history to allow 12,000 passing yards or 1,200 passing yards through three weeks. Historically bad. And yet, the Packers got it together, made the NFC Championship game, and so did Seattle. To a degree. They didn't get it back on track, and they weren't as good as the Packers, but they weren't as historically bad as the first three weeks would indicate. So I say all that to say this. A slow start from a defense, an ugly bad start from a defense, not really unprecedented. It does sometimes happen, even against opponents like the Lions last year and this year, in the case of the Packers. Right? This defense is bad, but that's not to say that it can't get better and improve over the course of a 17-game season. We've seen it before, and I know fans are grasping for straws right now. Like I, I've been on Twitter the last two days, and I keep seeing people like, oh, it's time. Jack Heflin. Get Jack Heflin in there. It's like, no, the undrafted guy? No, I don't know if that's the answer. I don't know. It's not a great sign that through two weeks we're calling for Jack Heflin playing time. We need to get him in there, See, see what he's made of. I don't know. I don't know about all that. I don't know if that's the solution, which really speaks, I think, to Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, and some of the other weak links on this team. The Packers personnel, like in 2011, isn't terrible. They have a pretty good cornerback in Jair Alexander, an excellent cornerback, a good D lineman in Kenny Clark, good edge rusher when healthy. And I think Rashawn Gary, I mean, I don't know, is he top half the league? Is he... He's better than a replacement-level player, but how much better? I I don't know, but he's not terrible. And they have a great pair of safeties. But defense is a weak link system, right? You're only as strong as some of your weakest players. We saw this in the NFC title game last year. Tom Brady just didn't throw it, Jair Alexander. And when he did, he paid for it. So he just realized, oh, I'm going to go for Kevin King. I'm going to go for Chandon Sullivan. It's a weak link system. The defensive line is a weak link system. We're not going to run it, Kenny Clark. We're going to run the other way. We're going to go around him. It's a weak link system. You're only as strong as your weakest player, which is why we've spent so much time talking about Kevin King and not Jair Alexander. And we've spent so much time talking about Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster, not necessarily Kenny Clark. I don't know how this Packers defense gets better, but I would bet money that it does get better. The million dollar question is how much better and is it good enough? Because we've been doing this for the last decade where the offense looks legit, And Aaron Rodgers can control a game and make up for some shortcomings on other places on the roster. And then we get to the NFC Championship game, and the defense is okay, but they make a couple of crucial mistakes, and the offense isn't quite good enough to overcome. I wouldn't be shocked if that exact same thing happens this year. Not going to say that their defense is going to give up 40 every week, like maybe they did in 2016, but I don't know if their defense is going to go from being historically bad like we saw last year to start the season. I don't know if they're historically bad this season. We don't have quite the sample size yet to make those determinations, but they're bad. They're going to get better. How much better? That's the question. And if Aaron Rodgers is even a tick below where we saw last season, then it might not be enough. They might not even be able to get back to the NFC Championship game. Of course, there's a lot of season left. So a lot more games to watch, and we can add data, and we can become smarter about this unit. And whether they're getting worse, better, how they compare to previous defenses, all that stuff. We just need more games. And we'll have an amazing example of a game this weekend against the 49ers, a team that's smashed the Packers, for lack of a better term, really every time they've played them. When healthy, especially in San Francisco, which, how are the Packers going to San Francisco again? When are the Niners coming to Lambeau? Ever? Is that ever going to happen? I don't get it. I feel like the Niners should be coming to play at Lambeau before too long. Probably once they get really bad. Then they'll come play at Lambeau. Not that that will help them. Now, 608 796 2558. Twitter, Wisco Grant. Let's take a break. I want to continue to talk about the defense coming up next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show. Thanks for hanging out. We were just talking a little bit about how defense is a weak link system, right? Only as strong as the worst players. You can exploit those bad players. Well, the offensive line is similar, right? If you have David Bakhtiari on one end and who was the guy they had filling in last year? I already forgot his name. Rick Wagner. Thank you. You got Bakhtiari on one end and Rick Wagner on the other. Well, we're just going to rush it. Rick Wagner. Offensive line. Weak link system. Not great. Elton Jenkins has an ankle injury, who is the left tackle filling in for David Bakhtiari. Would not bode well against a really nasty, physical, manly, strong, punch-you-in-the-mouth type San Fran defensive front. I don't think San Fran's defense is as good as they've been in years past, but they still have guys who can pop you. And the Packers have not fared well against teams that can pop them. And they certainly won't fare any better without Elton Jenkins on the field. Reports are the Packers will give him the full week to recover before they determine any kind of status for Sunday's game. There's your injury update. Da, 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 da. Wisco Grant on Twitter, the talking text line 608 796 2558. Dan and Newglaris, Hi, Dan. Says, how, do, uh, how about the big woo? Have a 255 ERA and a losing record. Come on, crew, find your offense. Last night was frustrating. Baseball's weird. Brandon Woodruff's been one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball this year, and yet he has a losing record. I agree with you. Sometimes it's luck, and I think baseball players understand that. I don't think Woody's losing too much sleep over it, but he, weirdly, weirdly unlucky. Not just kind of unlucky, like like very, very weirdly unlucky with some of the lack of run support he's experienced. Absolutely. Thank you. I Also, I don't know if I love the nickname Big Woo. I just like Woody. Or the Sheriff or something like Big Woo. I don't know. I feel like it's established and everybody likes it, but I don't know. I'm not going to i am not going to make a scene about it, but just so we're clear, I don't love the nickname Big Woo. I know you're going to lose sleep over my opinion on nicknames. I know that's why you're all here. Thank you for listening. That uh, will conclude my sermon on nicknames for Brewers starting pitchers. We're talking for about another 10 minutes about the Packers defense, and then I want to get into the Brewers and talk about that offense that you mentioned, Dan. Defense, weak link system. Right? Only as strong as their worst players, which we experienced big time with Kevin King in the postseason, especially that NFC Championship game last year. What I don't get and what's kind of frustrating, and maybe it's what makes defense in the NFL perplexing, is that this defense in 2021, like the 2011 defense, has some decent personnel. Right? There's been years where the Packers just have crappy personnel, like 2016. They didn't really have a starting corner that could play in the NFL. They didn't have a pass rush. They had old Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, who just wasn't very good. And they've never had linebackers, ever, ever. Oh, 2016, the linebackers are bad. No, no, no. They've been bad every year because they never care about linebackers. 2016, they were just bad. The roster was bad. 2011, the roster wasn't bad. A lot of guys were still around from that Super Bowl. 2021, the roster isn't that bad. I'm not going to say it's great, but they have some premier players at premier positions. It's now Joe Barry's task to best hide his bad players and uplift his best players, right? Put those good players in positions to be as impactful as possible. I have some ideas. Let's kick them around a little bit. Let's start with the bad players. How can we hide bad players? Kevin King, through two games, has been targeted six times, has given up five completions and 133 yards. That, on average, is 26.6 yards per catch. That's really hard to do, especially given that they play Jameis Winston and Jared Goff. And neither team really had downfield weapons to speak of other than Hawkinson. You were going up against Marquez Calloway and Quintez Cephas, who I know we all really like. And I think he's pretty good. He is no burner. He's certainly not a guy who can take the top off a defense. You know what I mean. What to do with Kevin King? Well, I think it starts with more Eric Stokes. Matt Lafleur talked a little bit after Monday night about how Eric Stokes was impressive in that game against the Lions.
3: Yeah, there were there were some critical stops there at the end of the game. Um, certainly, the one on our sideline, and then the last the last play of the game were were two great examples. Uh, he's a young player, a guy that has a lot of talent, and we'll continue to try to find ways to put him out there on the field.
0: Getting him out there. All right, cool. So let's say Eric Stokes plays on the outside. Jair Alexander plays on the outside on the other side. Okay. I like that more than Kevin King. But, especially with their lack of really good linebackers, they're going to play some nickel. They're going to play packages and sets and looks that need extra defensive backs. So Kevin King's going to need to play. I would like him to play as little as possible. But he's going to need to play here and there. And something we read all offseason about with Joe Barry was the star position. How he loves that position. He wants to highlight that position. That's his playmaker position. Well, why not use Jair there? And I know that takes him off the outside, but if Jair's just covering Quintez Cephas all game or a Monra St. Brown, oh, you shut down a Monra St. Brown, that's great, but does that really help us create splash plays? Does that help the defense get off the field? I'm not sure. We want him around the ball. We want him making plays. That's how the Rams use Jalen Ramsey, and I think that might be where the Packers defensively trend with Jair Alexander, but they need somebody else to be able to hold up outside. Eric Stokes can take one sideline. Kevin King's going to need to be able to at least help out here and there, or in the slot, right? Maybe that's an idea. Maybe something they can work and and play with in the secondary. Now, up front, I don't know how we get around the Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki black hole. Kenny Clark is drowning. No one around him is worth a damn. And I know maybe this isn't realistic, but the only way I can see the Packers fixing this unit up front is by making a trade, which... In a normal situation, under normal circumstances, would never happen in a million years. But are we going all in or not? Right? Is this the last dance or not? Because I don't think Brian Gutekinds can keep a straight face and tell everyone that they're going all in and this is the year and then run those pumpkins out onto the field to play defensive line. And interestingly enough, within the last half hour here, it was announced that the Lions are exploring trade options with linebacker Jamie Collins, who would be a nice add to this defense. Maybe wouldn't be that expensive. Detroit cut a little bit of his salary earlier this year, so he's a little bit easier to absorb. Maybe the Packers are interested. I don't know. Jamie Collins isn't a defensive lineman, but I don't see how the Packers can say they're all in and they're doing everything they possibly can to contend this year while running out Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, and Kingsley Kiki. That's just that, that doesn't compute. That doesn't add up. That doesn't work. You can't run those guys out there and then turn around and say, well, we did all we could. Really? And Kenny Clark plays a big role in this unit as well. Like, oh yeah, great. Kenny Clark's awesome. They're paying him money. He's a stud. I I agree. But Kenny Clark is one man. And if you sink a bunch of money into Kenny Clark and then he gets doubled and triple teamed, where's that money really going? You're paying for a, a, a drain plug and you still can't stop the line. You don't let Kenny Clark rush the passer or be a playmaker. He's a playmaking nose tackle. He does a little bit of everything. But when he has to sit there and eat triple teams all day, He's not doing anything. That's not money well spent. That's like buying a three thousand dollar computer for your home office and then not springing for Wi Fi. <laughs> look at this, look at this computer we got. Well, do you, do you have a do you have a keyboard? Do you have Wi Fi? That's like Kenny Clark. Oh, we got Kenny Clark. Oh, and who do you have next to him? You have uh, one Dean Lowry and this thing called a Tyler Lancaster. Well, maybe Jack Eflin will. Maybe Maybe he'll maybe he'll pop. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, I'm sure that that guy's the answer. Yep, let's do that. We haven't been doing that for the last decade. I don't see how the Packers can truly go all in without bringing someone in. And in a normal year, I would never expect it. But under these interesting circumstances, they already brought back Randall Cobb, which is bizarro for a front office like this, not something they'd ever do. I'm not saying Jamie Collins, but just within the last 20 minutes, a team's like, hey, we're looking to trade this defensive guy. They don't need to get a stud. They don't need to go all out, but you need to get someone that's not Dean Lowry, or I swear to God, they're going to give up 30 to San Fran this weekend and every physical offensive team they have to go against now until whenever they're eliminated, probably in the NFC Championship game. Not because they're the second best team in the NFC right now, but that's how this cruel, twisted world has designed itself to torture me and Packers fans. Vikings fans. Oh, you should be like, shut up. I don't want to hear from you right now. Go miss another field goal. Let me mope about this in, in solitude. Thank you. Let's take a break. I have a couple of texts about the Brewers and Brandon Woodruff. We'll get to those. A couple of tweets about the D-line as well. That, when we come back, and we got to talk about this Brewers offense. Thought we were past this. Thought we were good. I thought we were an amazing offense that scores a lot of runs. They've been quiet the last couple of days. So let's talk about that. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors, part of our under 100-horsepower tractor lineup rated number one for reliability, and Z-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles, where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit Portland
4: Implement in Cashton or go to PortlandImplement.com.
0: sports show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Another bit of news today that I, I don't really know why I'd mentioned, but it came up on my timeline again. Uh, Antonio Brown placed on the reserve COVID list, which if any of you have questioned over the last year or so, if there really is a God, maybe there is. Finally, some, finally some good news. I hate Antonio Brown. I don't think he should be in the league. Grant, you're only saying that because he's teammates with Tom Brady. Maybe, okay? Maybe. You almost kill a toddler, you beat up a woman, you assault a couple people. I don't know. Where do we draw the line? Oh, he stayed with Tom Brady that one time. Make him a saint. Canonize him in the Catholic Church. Why not? I think he's vaccinated, though. So if he tests negative and doesn't show symptoms or whatever, he can be back by the weekend. I don't know the rules. You don't care. I don't care. I just wanted to complain. We're going to talk about the Brewers. Got a couple of texts. 608 796 about Brandon Woodruff. Dan in New Glarus. Hi, Dan. Talking about how Woodruff has a 255 ERA and a losing record. Come on. And I made a comment. I didn't think it was a big deal. That baseball's weird. Sometimes things like that happen, even though Woodruff's been very unlucky. And Woodruff, they, they get it. Baseball's weird. They understand how this works. And Binks is chiming in and saying, come on, Grant. Woody is disappointed. No, Binks. He's thrilled. Of course he's disappointed. My point is... He's not going into the – that's um, that's a joke that's going to be too far. Let me think of another joke. My point is he's not, like, upset. He's not flipping over buffet tables in the locker room. Like, sometimes baseball's weird, and I think Woodruff gets that. Corbin Burns, when he got pulled after eight innings, it's frustrating. But but they get it. Baseball players get it. I think we watch from afar, and we get so upset. And I think the guys who are in the locker rooms, football, baseball, basketball, whatever, I, I think they're a little bit more level-headed. They're certainly more level-headed than me. We're 38 minutes into the show, and I'm yelling about whether or not God exists because Antonio Brown got put on the COVID list. Let's go to the talking text line, 608-796-2558. Welcome to the show. Who is this?
5: Short pants. You're funny coming over to the dark side. A little I bit. I like it. A little bit. You hate, you hate Antonio Brown? It's about yeah. time you start to hate. You hate Dean Lowry? My God! Pretty soon, I might, st- I might start liking you, short pants. Why? Well, I, I don't, I don't hate you.
0: I don't hate you. You're one of my favorite oh, callers, Dave.
5: Hey, doesn't it feel good to hate? All this love bit. fest and kissy face—it's fun to hate,
0: isn't it? That's what's wrong you're, with this generation. You're, you're, you're,
5: there's no hate anymore. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean we we grew up. You, you hated the guy, you beat the hell out of him, and you and you were friends, and went out and got drunk.
1: Yeah, yeah.
5: You, you were talking, you were talking with the Packers. I now, I hope you're sitting down. You're dead on, man. I've been, t- I've been telling these people down here in Madison, um, Rodgers isn't the problem. It's good against. You, the last three years, what's been the problem? The front seven stinks. Yeah. They stunk against San Francisco two years ago, Tampa Bay last year, this year. So what do they do? Nothing. A great management tool. They bring back the same players. Now, isn't that great management? You're, you're going you're gonna to run an operation. Your sales force stinks. Your ratings stink. So what do you do? You bring back the same people. This team only has one shot. They're going to they're get crushed by twenty-eight points on Sunday.
0: They I'm have uh, to
5: make a major deal. I got to make a major deal.
0: I, I think they might get smacked. The, the problem is, Dave, is they're they're soft. They go up against a team like the Niners or the Bucks that are physical and they're yeah. big, and they just get beat up and they just shrivel up. They shrivel up. It's the same players, the Smith brothers. Might you know might as well be Donnie and Marie. They haven't done
5: nothing in two years. You got the other guy that Nelson has an orgasm over. I mean, he was supposed to have his breakout game the other night. He was he was Amber Alert. And why they brought back Kevin King spent six million dollars. That one to me is peculiar. And Dean Lowry. I mean, there, there'll, there'll be some players that trade deadly. We're going to find out just how serious Ryan is. They got to bring a couple of a couple of players in the defense. Look at that schedule. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to beat they're not going to beat anybody. But I just wanted to give you a call and say, hey, finally, I love the hate.
0: Well, good. If you approve, then something's going right, I suppose. Thank you, Dave, for the call. By the way, I had a, I had a tweet the other day um, that said, anytime Dave calls, I, I tune you out. Hey, 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 We don't have to agree with everything that's said on the show. One thing I do appreciate about Dave is he's very consistent. He's not always flip-flopping on his takes. He comes with his opinion. He says hello. He's always friendly enough, and he hangs up the phone. He's a quality contributor to the show, and I don't remember who tweeted that at me. I'm not going to tell you, you know, to like Dave, but I don't think he's wrong. This team is just, just a little soft. They don't handle physicality well. They don't handle fast, hard-hitting teams well. And I, I'm with you. I, I don't think that when Brian Kids brought back this roster, he thought that Kevin King was going to be this bad. I thought he'd be fine. I thought he'd be okay. Six million bucks for Kevin King. I, I was. I told someone the other night I was watching the game with. I'm like, man, it's not that they just brought Kevin King back. It's that they spent like a decent amount of money. It's not like they got him on a minimum or they they got him at a discount. They didn't really get him cheap. Like Kevin King came back as a vibe. Like there were other corners much better who signed for comparable numbers. Casey Hayward, for example, is killing it with the Raiders right now. The Raiders brought in a couple of cheap guys that are getting huge returns. Two of their three best players they brought back on defense, Casey Hayward and Yannick Ngankwe, they didn't really have to spend huge money, huge deals, and they've been great. And the Packers brought back Kevin King on a, a modest to a, an average size deal, probably more than they needed to spend on him, and he's been, I think, worse than they expected. That's a problem. But I'm with you. Dave, we're about to move on, talk about the Brewers, but through two weeks, the defense has been bad, and I think they'll get better, but I just don't know how Goody and this team can look at us with a straight face and say, hey, we're all in, but also our defensive line is Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki. That just, they, they don't, that doesn't add up. That doesn't connect. Nope. 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 need more. Don't have to go get a superstar stud, but y- y- we need something. We need something. I think the defense will get better, but I think they may need to add a player or two by the end of the year. Otherwise, what's this all been about? Just trade Rodgers and rip the Band-Aid off. You know that's what they want to do. They couldn't do it because he won MVP. Brewers. They've been in the backseat for the last two weeks or so, and we've been kind of checking in on them in the rearview mirror. How they doing back there? Doing good? Okay. Back to the Packers. Right? We're checking in on them here and again. And while I've been watching football the last two weeks or doing other things, the Brewers have been on my laptop, on the coffee table, they're on mute. So I'm following along. I'm keeping up with them. I'm watching, but I'm not dialed in because they're not the end-all be-all right now like they were you know, a month or two ago. We got Packers back. We got Badgers back. Should we talk about I feel like we should talk Badgers-Notre Dame at some point this week. We'll get a Badgers guest. Maybe we'll talk to Zach. Maybe we'll get Ben Kenny. He would be a solid Badgers contributor. We got to get somebody by the end of this week. I almost forget about the Badgers sometimes. When I haven't been watching the Brewers, I get the notifications, see the final score, and they've been losing. They've lost five of seven, three in a row now. And that's not freaking me out, but I don't like what I'm seeing from the offense. Right? This team's going to win the NL Central. They're going to be the two seed. That's fine. But what does concern me a little bit, the offense, the lack of scoring, making me a little nervous because we've seen this before and offenses can get stuck in a rut. This is something that can kind of hang around, and I don't want this carrying into the next couple of weeks and into the postseason. Against Philly, they scored 0 runs, 10 runs, 4 runs. Against Cleveland, they scored 10 runs, 3 runs, 11 runs. And then against Detroit, in a two-game set, they scored 0, and they scored 1. Now, they did okay against the Cubs, the Cubs of Dave from Monona, but they did so mostly against a really bad bullpen. Milwaukee, in a couple of those games, is playing from behind. Zach Davies... Did a pretty good job with them. Not an amazing job, but a a pretty good job. Last night, they're going against Woodford or Woodyard or whatever. Whatever his name was. Woodshed. And this guy's pitching like Cy Young. Right? This trend, the offensive trend, has continued at least through two games into the St. Louis series. They've won 10 in a row because, of course, they have. Naturally, the Cardinals winning this time of year. They've scored three runs in two games. And through those two games, the top five hitters in their lineup are a combined one of 30. One of 30. They're down in the dumps offensively, and it's not going away. Now, Craig Council says one of these games, they're going to bust out of it. He has faith. This is what he said last night.
3: We've just had a quiet week. I mean, I think we're going to have a big night one of these nights. Um, we're going to put a really big number on the board, and we're going to bust out of it. Um, we didn't do it tonight, um, but it's but it's coming, and, and I, I I believe that. I think our guys believe that. Um you just got to go up there and keep sticking to you you know the stuff you can control in your process and so we got the right pitches and we gave some tough at bats it's kind of the second half of the game i thought you know we, we put a good rally on we made it tough on gallegos we made it tough on garcia um just couldn't get the next next hit
0: looking for that big hit it never came had an opportunity with pablo reyes at the plate last night in the bottom of the ninth just couldn't Get that big hit, the the hit that busts it open, that finally breaks the seal or bursts the dam or whatever analogy you want to use, whatever figure of speech. We've seen tough offensive stretches like this from the Brewers before. We saw it earlier in the year, and that's when everybody wanted to yell about bunting, and the secret is bunting. Well, no, the secret was actually making a couple of trades to get some guys who could actually hit the ball, and then that helps out Jelic, that helps out Wong and Kane and Abi Garcia, and that was the answer. It was never about bunting. It was just about having better hitters, which at the time... I don't know that we could see clearly because the lineups in those early series in late April and early May against KC and Atlanta and Miami, they had some rough stretches. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, right? It's the difference in roster now and then that makes me feel a little bit better because it's a waiting game offensively in baseball. Sometimes you go through rough stretches and you just wait for the hits to start coming because teams pull out of this eventually. Now the good teams pull out of it sooner rather than later and get right sooner rather than later, and they don't remain down in the dumps for too long. The roster looks drastically different now from when they went into an offensive slump in April, May, and hopefully that speeds up the recovery process just a little bit. I was looking at lineups from the Kansas City series. That was when Yelich first came back, wasn't quite right. He still might not be right. That's when he was DHing. They had Avi Garcia, Tyrone Taylor, Manny Pena, Jackie Bradley Jr., huh? Travis Shaw. Urias before, this is pre-Adamus Urias, so this is before Urias actually got good. Pablo Reyes, Billy McKinney, no Adamus, no Escobar, no better version of Yelich, no Lorenzo Kane, right? Those bats now being in the lineup, just up the odds a little bit that someone gets that big hit. Pulling out of an offensive slump when you're relying on Pablo Reyes, Billy McKinney, and Jackie Bradley Jr., a little different than trying to pull out of an offensive slump when you have Adamus and Escobar and now a better version of Luis Urias and a healthy Lorenzo Cain. It's a little bit easier to pull out of a slump when you have more good bats, right? I think of it like ice fishing. We haven't had an ice fishing analogy in a while, right? The more tip-ups you set out, better chance you have of hooking into a fish. And all of these good bats in the Brewers lineup, think of them like tip-ups. Adamus, Escobar, Cane. Avi Garcia, who's having a career, they're all tip ups. They're just waiting. One of, the, one of the flags will pop. Just give it a little time. Wait for a school of fish to come through. Flags start going, pup, 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 pup. they start popping up. Whereas when you're hoping Pablo Reyes gets a hit, hoping his flag goes up, mm, don't hold your breath. Jackie Bradley Jr., if you hold your breath for him to get a hit, you would have died of suffocation in April because he's been trash. He remains trash. You know what? I'll say it. He's been ass. He's been worse than Ass. I don't know, like, Ass is hitting, like, 120. He's way worse than that. And they would have optioned him down months ago if he had any options to speak of, but he doesn't. And if he wasn't once upon a time the ALCS MVP, I don't know that we'd even have a question about him making the playoff roster. I'd take Tyrone Taylor. I'd take Jace Peterson. Heck, I'd take Mark Kotze. Give me Mark Kotze on the playoff roster before you give me Jackie Bradley Jr. Right, they're in an offensive slump just like they were earlier this year. But it's a little bit easier to pull yourself out of a slump when you have multiple quality hitters, not just one or two and everybody else is hurt or bummy, which was the case in April and in May. tonight a must-win? I feel like it's a must-win. I tweeted about this earlier, and it's our version of a must-win. We don't declare must-wins for actual must-win games, just meaningless games that we want to put extra importance on. And I tweeted this out earlier today, and I said, is tonight a must-win game? I feel like it. I feel like it might be. And one of the replies actually understands what's going on. Talking about Onabam. That's our Omar Narvaez at-bat and mound visit fan. Follow the account. It's an awesome Brewers fan account. Tweeted back at me and says, Grant, there has never been a more important, meaningless game in the history of all sports. That's what we're looking for. That's what I'm saying. This game is meaningless, but it's a really important, meaningless game, which is why we're going to declare it a must-win. Pound the desk. And after the Packers won the other night, we move now to two and five in games that we've declared a must-win on the Wisco Sports Show. So by declaring tonight a must-win, we're trying to make it three of six, which is slightly terrifying given that Brett Anderson is on the mound. So if you're excited to watch Brett Anderson pitch, make sure you turn the game on before the second inning. Otherwise, you might miss him. Damn it. This is the guy we're staking our must-win record on? I'm betting on Brett Anderson versus Miles Michaelis tonight? I hate that. But it's, it's all in good fun. 608-796-2558, at Wisco Grant on Twitter. We're going to get an update from Mike Clements. Coming up next, can I Can I just tell you about something that happened to me personally last night? It has nothing to do with sports, but my night, I had, a, I had a scare last night. I had a health scare. Well, I had a scare that could have turned into a health scare, and I just find it really hilarious, and I think you're going to be kind of grossed out. Um, not in a way that's going to make you want to turn off the radio. I, I just have a story from last night that I want to share, and then I promise we'll get back into the Packers at 5 o'clock.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers head out west to play the 49ers on Sunday night football this weekend. Green Bay looking to improve on defense, the Packers moved in battle cornerback Kevin King to the slot corner position on Monday night and shifted rookie Eric Stokes outside. Now Stokes came up with two key deflected passes. King, however, gave up a long touchdown to the Lions Quintes Cephas. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur,
3: "You know, we're not we're never going to make excuses." I thought Kevin, especially when he played inside, he hadn't been doing it very long. And so there's there's definitely some teachable moments and, and some things that we definitely have to clean up. But I thought, by and large, when he was inside, I thought he did a really good job. I thought Stokes coming in on the outside, he competed and had multiple pass breakups. So I, I thought it was overall just everything that went on there, putting Kevin inside was, was was good for us.
1: After giving up 38 points to the Saints and 17 in the first half of the Lions game, the Packers defense shut out Detroit in the second half on Monday night. Inside linebacker Devondre Campbell had a big night, leading with 13 combined tackles and an interception. Campbell says that's life in the NFL.
6: I mean, pro football, man, it's a long season. You you know, you can't let a, a few mishaps here and there define who you are as a team. We got a lot of football left and you know, this was a step in the right direction. We just got to continue to keep building and continue to keep stacking it. The sky's the limit for us. And like I said, we can't let moments like that define who we are as a, as a defense or as a team. We just got to keep pressing forward and, and continue to be the best version of ourselves.
1: Best Packers coverage.
0: You can't let bad defensive performances define you as a defense. Short memory. As Ted Lasso said, because I'm a Ted Lasso guy now, the happiest animal on earth is a goldfish. Short memory. 10 seconds. That's it. I think Chris Collinsworth said last year during the Saints game, Packers defense is designed to play in shootouts. What a stupid... God, I hate being a Packer fan sometimes. Can we just get good players? Why are we overthinking it? Can we just get better players? Dean Lowry is the worst. Can we please get someone better? (sighs) We're going to talk more about that at 5.30, actually. As it relates to Jay Sternberger who has now been jettisoned over the stern of the figurative Packers roster ship. He's gone. He's gone. More on the Packers coming up in a few minutes. I thought I was going to die last night. Can I tell you the story? It really has nothing to do with sports. I guess I was watching the Brewer game when it went down. But So I, I get home from work last night. By the way, this is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. You probably know that. I think I forgot to mention that. I got I home last night, and I'm in a great mood. Just at thrilled to be alive. I get home at a good time, I'm going to get a little run in, and when I pull onto the street to park, I pull into my normal parking spot, which is on the street, and there's a noodles and company bag sitting in the grass, we don't have a yard, it's just the boulevard right next to our sidewalk, which our house is behind, there's a noodles and company bag, so I'm like, that's weird, and I go and look at it, there's a full dish of pasta in there, buffalo chicken and noodles, I'm like, well, that looks tasty, why is this just sitting in my yard? And I use yard loosely. It's it's basically in the street, but it's right where I normally park. So I take a picture of it, and I send it to my roommate. I'm like, is this your noodle? He wasn't home. I was like, is this your noodles and company? What the hell? And he responds, and he goes, yes, smiley face. You're welcome. And I go, oh, my goodness. My roommate, my friend, he bought me noodles and company. It's a little weird that he left it in the yard, but this is where I park. He must have wanted this to be the first thing I see when I get home. Great. And he says, enjoy it. I love you, buddy. And I said, great. So I go for my run. I come back. I house this entire thing of noodles. Buffalo chicken, warm it up, eat it. Wow, it was good. And then once I was done with it, I started looking in the bag a little bit and there's the receipt in there. It's from two days ago. And I call my roommate. I'm like, did you, did you actually leave me noodles and companies? He's like, no, I have no clue where that came from. This man got me to eat yard noodles, street noodles, chicken that was just sitting outside. It was from two days ago. So now I'm freaking out. I swear my stomach feels like it's going to explode. It was all mental. I did it to myself. All night I'm freaking out. I was like, when's the food poisoning hitting? And is it going to be out one end of my body or is it going to be both? I ate chicken. That chicken could have been sitting outside somewhere in the street for two straight days. My jerk roommate got me to eat it. So I thought maybe I was going to have to miss a show today because I thought I would be um, in the fetal on the bathroom floor. Luckily that did not happen. Unless, of course, you're not enjoying tonight's show. Then maybe uh, unluckily for you. It didn't happen. That was my night last night. Thrilling, right? I know. What a life I live when I leave the studio after 6 p.m. Eating food that I find on the street. Not my fault. He said it was for me. Free noodles and company. I'm not going to turn that down, even if it was kind of suspect. Let's take a break. Talk more about the Packers defense coming up first. An update from Zach (music) Heilbrunn. A horse is up front. What do you mean? The D-line has sucked for three years, and what did they do? They re-signed Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry. Oh, they're still bad? What a shocking development.
1: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant
0: Bills. gonna die last night. True story. Wish I would have had about another 60 seconds to tell that story. If you're just tuning in, I guess I'll begin this hour with a funny anecdote. I got home from work last night. There was a bag of noodles and company sitting on the curb next to where I normally park outside my house. Sent a picture of it to my roommate. He's like, you're welcome. Love you, buddy. Enjoy. I ate it. And then later he tells me no clue where it came from. There was random noodles and company sitting in the street. He let me eat it check the receipt which i should have done right away i don't know why i no i'm not no i'm not taking the blame for this i'm not taking the blame for this he let me eat food that i found in the street and it was good okay whatever like it tasted good but I, that's i thought it was cooked within the last two hours this was two and a half days ago i checked the receipt could have died could have had food poisoning throwing up everywhere sapper text in. that's the funniest story i've heard in so long i don't know if you're being sarcastic it was not funny but i'm glad you enjoyed it i could have died i could have i could have died and it would have been all for a stupid prank about some random noodles that were left on my street also if you're listening who the hell left noodles company on my curb who does that who buys a perfect bowl of buffalo chicken and noodles and just leaves it in someone's yard how does that happen I, like, I wanna, I'm want going to call the police when the show's done. We need to launch an investigation because I'm not sleeping. Couldn't sleep last night because I thought I was going to die. I won't sleep last night because I cannot understand why someone would leave a full bag of noodles and company in my yard. Whatever, that's not the point. This is a sports show. Hell yeah, sports. Let's talk about sports, football, manly things. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Talk and text line 608-796-2558. Twitter... At Wisco Grant, if you'd like to join in that way as well. Some news today, tids and tidbits of things that have gone down with the Packers. Jay Sternberger was cut. We're going to talk about that at 535. Antonio Brown is on the COVID reserve list now. Now, the Rams and the Buccaneers play this Sunday. It's the 3:30 game, which is gonna be amazing. Because I think we're finally gonna see a true test for Matthew Stafford and Let's see. Let's see you do it. Let's see what you couldn't do in Detroit for years. We've all have been blaming Detroit. Detroit did you dirty. It's not Matthew Stafford's fault. It's the fault of the Lions. Well, let's see. Let's see how he looks. I was looking at the television map for this game. Half of Wisconsin, the northwest half, is going to get Seattle at Minnesota. And then, basically, the eastern-southern half is going to get Tampa Bay and L.A. Now, I'm going to find a way to watch them both anyways, but this is weird to me. And I guess, like, if you get your Fox from the cities, um, I, I guess I understand it. And it depends what cable provider you have, too. Like, my parents live up by Eau Claire. And when they had DirecTV, although Fox 2548 and Eau Claire Lacrosse is closer, DirecTV still gave them Fox from the cities. So then you would get Vikings games, even if the Packers were playing, right? You get the Vikings game over that. Now, if you have an antenna and you can get 2548 from Eau Claire Lacrosse, it still looks like you're going to get Seattle, Minnesota. It looks like the cutoff line goes from just north of Green Bay. It's like a diagonal line that goes from, this is such a weird map. It goes from like Iron, not Iron River, was it Ironwood in the UP? And then it cuts all the way down to like Prairie du Chien. So Madison, Green Bay, Milwaukee, all of that, the Dells, you're going to get Tampa Bay, Rams, and then Eau Claire, Lacrosse, everybody else. Uh, on the northwest side of the state, all the way up to Superior, we're going to get the Vikings game. So prepare yourselves. Um, Antonio Brown may or may not play in that game, which I think is why we got started talking about this uh, in the first place. 608-796-2558. This text, who does not have a name, says, Sports are cool. I'm sorry, but that story is hilarious. I could Who leaves food in the street? I don't get it. And then the roommate to say, Yeah, it's for me. Enjoy. And then I eat it. I could have... I know I'm dramatic, but this is ridiculous. Mad Mike says, be careful what you ask for with Stafford. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I am amped to watch the Rams and the Bucks play because through the first two weeks, Matthew Stafford's been able to cruise a little bit, got to play against the Bears that weren't really a real opponent with Andy Dalton week one. And then last week was in it until the end with Carson Wentz and the Colts. I want to see Matthew Stafford in his new digs against a legit opponent and see if he can go blow for blow with, the quarterbacks, which now we want to put him in the same conversation with. Now Matthew Stafford is Aaron Rodgers, is Tom Brady, is Russell Wilson. And all this time, Detroit was holding him back. If I was a Lions fan, I would get frustrated hearing that. It's like, wait, yeah, had Calvin Johnson for the longest time. He's always had pretty good offensive lines. Now, the running games weren't always there, and the defenses weren't always there. But that's what comes with being a high-paid quarterback. There's going to be ebbs and flows in how good your protection is, and how good your running game is, and how good your defense is. And Vikings fans are experiencing that. Yeah, Vikings, you don't have a great O line, but when you pay Kirk Cousins a little bit, the expectation is that he fights through that. Kirk has good weapons. Kirk has a good running game. Kirk has a, a decent enough defense. It's up to Kirk to make the rest work. Same with Stafford in Detroit, and he never could. And I like Matthew Stafford. But, God, it's just we're being force-fed this narrative every game. See, oh, look at this throw he made. That's why the Rams got him. It's like, well, no, I'm not so sure. Let's see him against Tom Brady and company and see if he can stand in there and go blow for blow. We're about to get into the Packers' defense and why they've started slowly, but they started slowly last year. They started terrible last year, and yet they got a little bit better, and they improved over the season. Now, I'm not saying that this Packers' defense is going to improve and be top 10. But I don't think they'll be as bad as we've seen throughout the first two weeks. And Monday night, I want to clarify this. I don't think Joe Barry and company adjusted in the second half. I don't think they finally figured it out and started stopping the Lions. Yes, they started sending pressure. But for the most part, that pressure really wasn't successful. It was the rain. And it was the Lions getting in their own way with penalties. And I think poor play calling on fourth down and fumbling. In the first half, the Lions had three scoring drives of seven-plus plays. Long sustained offensive efforts where they were having success play after play after play after play against Joe Barry and his defense. They moved the ball. And then in the second half, they started with an eight-play drive, and they were stuffed on fourth and one because Eric Stokes made a great play. If the Lions just would have handed the ball off, they probably would have picked it up. I don't know why they threw. And then in the next two drives, they were stalled by fumbles, and then an interception, and then garbage time. Now, I'll give them credit on the interception. Good play. I think it was Devondre Campbell that hauled it in. But it's not like the defense all of a sudden started stymieing the Lions in the second half. The Lions kept shooting themselves in the foot, and Dan Campbell said exactly that after the game. The
2: turnovers. I mean, that was That was the big thing. It wasn't like we couldn't run it. It was, you know, we, uh, I mean, every time offensively we struggle is because we shot ourselves in the foot. Even the pose- the one possession we didn't score in, in the first half was by our own doing. You know, we had a holding call. We had a false start. We had an intentional grounding you know, and then you go to the second half, and you know we had the fumbled snap, so that's a wasted snap. You know, they they fall on it. We have the interception trying to make a play, which I understand why he's trying to make a play. You're down that much. He's, um, but you know it's self-inflicted wounds. I mean, you know, and then you get you reach a certain point where you're trying to continue to run your offense and be able to run it a little bit, run the ball, but yet you're also pressed. You're pressed for time. We only have two timeouts. You're down three scores and you kind of get put in a bind. That's not the world we want to live in.
0: I like Dan Campbell. I like his energy. I like his positivity. That's what's needed in Detroit right now. Detroit's not the best situation in the NFL. They're starting from ground zero. They went from Stafford to Jared Goff. It looks like they're going to try to trade Jamie Collins. They need people who are just happy to be playing football. Treat the opportunity of playing football like a gift. I think that's Dan Campbell, and I think that's Jamal Williams, too that's what they need. I think Dan Campbell's a good fit there. Like I want the Lions to be good. I want Dan Campbell to work. I feel bad for Lions fans. I know they're a divisional rival, but like I I almost I almost want the Packers to have an opponent that's worthwhile in this division for once. Like I'm sick of the Packers. Like the Packers lost in week 1 to the Saints and they played it off because they know they're going to be able to win this division. They're not going to have to fight and scratch and claw to win this division. They know they can waste a couple of games throughout the whole season. And that's convenient for my team because I want them to make the postseason. But, damn, like, that's cheap. Like, I want another team in this division that's actually worthwhile and that I respect. And sorry, Vikings fans, but that just ain't it. And Bears fans, I'm sorry, but right now that just ain't it. You have this awkward situation where a coach isn't doing what's in the best interest of the team because he's doing what's in the best interest of himself because that's how his contract sets it up. Like, I get it, but I want... An exciting division with competitive teams. And in 2014, remember when the lines were good? How much fun was that? Instead of a Week 17 game in Detroit that no one cares about, imagine if those games were fighting for playoff seating. That'd be so fun. I want Dan Campbell to work. It'd be good for football. It'd be good for the NFC North. And I'm an NFC North guy. I enjoy the, the hardiness and the culture of cold-weather football. Well, at least some of the teams play in cold weather. The Bears and the Packers. Not the other two teams. But you know what I mean. I want the division to be good. Anyways, Dan Campbell pointing out, we were the ones that messed it up. The Packers' defense didn't really stuff us. We just, we got in our own way. And the weather and Jared Goff's small hands got in the way too. This Packers' defense has issues. That second half, I think, is really misleading. Packers' defense has issues. But then again, they had issues last year at this time. They were historically bad to start last season. I went back and I looked at some of the numbers through the first three weeks First three weeks, the Packers beat the Vikings 43-34. We all remember that game. That was in like a sunshiny, empty U.S. Bank Stadium. Week two, they beat Detroit at Lambeau 42-21. Aaron Jones opened the second half with a big run. He was fantastic. Week three, they beat the Saints 37-30. And at that moment, we all kind of said, all right, this team's legit. We got a good team, a good offense. Looks like Lafleur's offense in his second season. This is going to be legit. This is going to be fun. Awesome. Can't wait. And after that 3-0 and start, Aaron Rodgers and the offense, we were comparing to 2011, 2014, some of the best years. And we were comparing the defense to 2011-2 because it was so historically bad relative to the Rodgers era. Now, you go back to the 70s and the 80s. I'm sure they had worse defenses. But in the Rodgers era, through those three wins, the defense was last in yards per play, 6.6 yards, 28th in yards per attempt, 7.8. Almost identical to the 2011 defense. That was 6.9 yards per play. Nice. And seven and a half yards per attempt. Basically identical. Through those first three weeks, however, if you look at yards allowed, this is where the good offense starts to help out the defense, which is why yards allowed isn't really a great indicative stat of how good a defense is or not. 14th in rushing and 18th in passing yards allowed. Once again, the offense helps that out small sample size. Don't look at total yards. Look at yards per play, yards per attempt, DBOA, all, all of those things. 2011, 2020, the defenses looked very similar, at least through three weeks. Now, as the season went along, the defense got better, and they had some good games. The Titans game, for example, when they shut down Derrick Henry, and they were just dominant. We saw the potential of how good that defense could be. Of course, in big games against physical opponents, they pulled within their shell. In the NFC Championship game, they pulled within their shell and made some boneheaded mistakes, which has been the story of the last 10 years. But just because a defense gets off to a bad start doesn't mean... They'll be terrible all year. Seattle was the same way last year. Seattle was the first team ever in NFL history to allow 1,200 passing yards through three weeks. By the end of the year, Seattle was a little bit better. They were trending in the right direction. Now they lost to the Rams in the first round, but it's not like they went 8-8 and missed the postseason. The Packers got it together. Seattle, to a degree, got it together. What happened? What got fixed? Well... I think, a new defensive coordinator this year. Although we don't love Joe Barry, you need to give a defensive coordinator time to implement the system and to get the lingo down. Everyone likes him, which is a good sign. Probably figuring out the tweaks and the little things that need to be changed and adjusted as time goes on. So as we get more games, more experience, that will help. But right now, Packers fans are grasping at straws. I saw today on Twitter, we want Jack Heflin playing time. I don't know. I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's the answer. That's a bad sign. When we're begging for Jack Heflin, I, that's, that's a bad sign. It'd be like if the Brewers' offense is playing poorly, so we're begging for Pablo Reyes at bats. It means it's slim pickings. The Packers do have some good personnel, similar to they, the way they did in 2011, right? Good corner in Jair, good edge rusher in Zedarius when he's healthy, good D lineman in Kenny Clark, good pair of safeties. But defense is a weak link system. So opposing offenses don't have to attack Jair or Kenny Clark. They can go at Dean Lowry, or they can go at Kevin King, as we've seen time and time again, right, Tyler Lancaster. They can go at those weak links, exploit the weak links. Defense is a weak link system, and I was talking earlier in the show. If the Packers truly are all in on this season, I don't know how they don't make a move at some point. Jamie Collins, it looks like, is available from Detroit, which the timing was amazing. It was something I wanted to bring up tonight, and then about 20 minutes before the show started, The Lions announced, hey, look, we're shopping Jamie Collins, linebacker, right? I think the Packers have to make a move at some point this season because I don't think that they can legitimately contend for a Super Bowl starting Dean Lowry and or Tyler Lancaster. And that's hoping that those two stay healthy. What if there's an injury to Kenny Clark and now all of a sudden they're your best defensive lineman? That's terrifying. It's a terrifying thought. Maybe Elton Jenkins can play both ways. Maybe Avi Garcia can play in the trenches a little bit when the Brewers are done with their season. I don't know, but I think at some point they might need to make a move for a defensive lineman, a D-tackle, an inside linebacker, something, because they just don't seem to have the horses up front, which, by the way, shouldn't be a surprise, because they haven't had the horses up front, and yet they've done nothing to address the front seven. And they're going to get a good dose of a team that's just going to look to punch them and kick them around this weekend in the Niners, and we'll see for sure. Uh, I have a chunk of Colin Cowherd's show from yesterday. I think you made a really good point about the Packers' defense. I want to play that for you coming up next. And we'll hear from Aaron Rodgers. He talks a little bit about this upcoming matchup with the Niners defense, a team that they've had issues with, both offensively and defensively. So, Colin Coward a little bit, Aaron Rodgers a little bit from today's presser. That's coming up next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Go Sports Show Rolling On. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had a wonderful day. Looking forward to a relaxing evening with no overhanging responsibilities. Nothing you are completely dreading. I did laundry last night, so I basically handled all my responsibilities for the week. My mother texts in, this is some wisdom that we needed. She says, "Grant, never eat food found on the street. Love, Mom." Yeah, I ate food that I found on the street last night because my roommate Uh, lied to me and said that it was a gift, when in reality, he had no clue where it came from either. It was delicious, and uh, no reaction yet, negatively, to the bowl of noodles that I ate. I found the receipt. It was buried in the bag. The food was about a day and a half old. I don't think it was in the street for a day and a half. Otherwise, maybe I would have eaten it sooner. But I guess no harm, no foul, unless it's like a delayed response, food poisoning, and I wake up tonight just in absolute agony. Uh, A text here about the defensive line, and I don't have—oh, I do. This is from Greg. This is a good analogy, folks. This is good work. says, about giving Heflin and TJ Slayton playing time. Here's an analogy. When you're trout fishing on the Brule, do you keep using the same old fly one, two, three, four days in a row without ever giving a bite? No. You give everything in the tackle box a try. It can't be any worse. Maybe you get lucky, and the bargain bin fly works. I'm thinking the Packers are fishing with a bare hook in Lancaster— can't be much worse. Might as well give him a try. Thank you, Greg. First of all, this is an outstanding analogy. Uh, now, as a true steelhead fisherman that loves fishing on the brule, I must say, however, that when steelhead are running, they actually don't eat. They bite out of aggression. So sometimes the weirdest flies do work. You just throw a, a yellow fuzzy ball out there with a hook on it. Who knows? It actually doesn't really matter what you throw. And in this case, I think it doesn't really matter who the Packers throw out there other than Kenny Clark because they all st- they all, they stink as well. Really, really, really poorly. Heflin, Slayton, you got Lancaster, Lowry. They're all the same guy. They're all, they're all the same guy. There's replacement-level defensive linemen. It's not a position they value. They don't really value linebacker either. I think they might have to make a move at some point because I don't know that they can roll these guys out there. Although, we'll see how the Niners game goes. And that's actually where I want to go next. I want to start to look ahead to this weekend. We didn't learn a whole lot from the New Orleans game. We learned a little bit from the Detroit game. I think we're going to get a fat lesson one way or another from the Niners on Sunday night, awesome on primetime. It's where I want to learn that lesson is with the rest of the country watching as well. Um I listened to Colin Cowherd a little bit yesterday and he was talking to Peter Schrager from Fox and this is how he set up this Packers topic and he asked the question.
4: Packer games all kind of feel the same. Aaron's good. Bunch of splash plays. Uh, Defense doesn't make anybody terribly uncomfortable. Aaron plays a victim after the game. (laughs) I'm just so used to all these. But, I mean, what did I learn? Detroit outgained them. Detroit averaged more per play. I guess my takeaway was I still don't know if this team can face physical NFL teams. Baltimore, Tampa. What did you learn last night? I don't think I learned a ton. Did you?
3: You served it up perfectly. Because,
0: Colin, guess who they have week three when I'll really know. San Francisco 49ers, maybe the toughest, strongest, most hard-hitting team in the entire league in the trenches. Uh, And you know what's the worst about the Niners? Is not only are they really physical and they can beat you up, which is the exact type of thing the Packers can't play against, but they have Kyle Shanahan calling plays. So it's going to be like what Sean Payton did in week one. It's just going to be surgery up and down the field. Little play here, little play here, dominate time of possession. Oh, the Packers are down 17 to nothing. Oh, great. Rodgers is moping, complains after the game. By the way, I I know everybody doesn't love Colin Cowherd. I think he's great. I don't always agree with everything he says, and sometimes he's annoying. But then again, I am annoying. I'm telling you about the time I ate food off the street. So who am I to judge? What leg do I have to stand on? The game script that he talked about, Aaron Rodgers makes some splash plays. The defense doesn't scare anybody. Nobody gets beat up. The Packers kind of get pushed around. Win or lose, Aaron Rodgers gets the podium, kind of plays the victim. That's, yeah, yeah. He actually kind of hit the nail right on the head. I don't disagree with his assertion that the Packers can't play against physical teams. I could go back the last couple of years and point out all the times they've been blown out by teams that have just kind of knocked them off the line of scrimmage, but you've watched this team. You get it. They will have a chance to prove their toughness this weekend. I'm not going to hold my breath, but maybe they surprise us. I wouldn't count on it, but maybe, but probably not. Rodgers today was asking his presser about the challenges that the personnel of this 49ers defense shows. What do you get to deal with? What's tough? What scares you? What's a challenge? This is Aaron Rodgers from today. I see
6: a lot of studs. You know, having Bosa back obviously helps. He's a game changer. Looks like he's moving well. He's been involved in a lot of plays on defense, as he was a couple of years ago. You know, Armstead is a long, stout defender who can play inside and outside for him. He's a stud. You know, I think D.J. Jones is is a real talented player inside, very active for them the first couple of weeks. Fred, you know, I talked about Fred. They caught me on, uh, you know, on the mic dub last year. I think it was telling him how talented I think he is and. He got the recognition he deserves from the voting in the postseason voting, and also contract-wise, it legitimizes uh, his ability on the field. So obviously, they got a really, uh, really good front. Got some changes on the back end. Obviously, had some injuries. You know, to Jason going down with the ACL. Um, you know, they brought in a couple of veteran guys to play on the, on the outside as well, who I've played against in the past. talented guys, smart, savvy guys. So. Uh, the front looks uh, looks familiar. Yeah, you know, we'll see if Mosley comes back from his injury. Obviously, K1's played for, I think, his seventh year. He's a really talented nickel. Um, you know, he's active in the run game and a, and a really good defender. Not
0: actually that dissimilar to the Packers personnel. I think the Niners have holes on their defense to be exploited, just like the Packers do. The Niners have star players here, here, and here. They're not as complete of a unit as they were a couple of years ago, but they still have guys that can make splash plays, game-wrecking plays. Right, I think the Saints game last year is a great example that you might not need a defense that's good as a whole, but if you have a couple of guys that can make splash plays, if you create a turnover here and there, a sack here and there, sometimes that's all you need. Remember, the the Packers were trailing the Saints in Week 3 last year until Taysom Hill tried to carry it past Adaria Smith, and he stripped the ball out and recovered it. They gave up a ton of yards, gave up a ton of points, gashed by Alvin Kamara. Right What's the word I'm looking for? Process-wise, they were really bad. Statistically, they were bad. They got marched up and down the field, but they made a splash play here and there that able to make the difference. The Niners have personnel to do that. I don't think they're as deep as they were a couple of years ago, but they have the splash players. I don't need to explain why Fred Warner is awesome. I don't need to explain why Joey Bosa is awesome or Nick Bosa, right? I think the difference between the Niners' defense and the Packers' defense is that, like, I need to explain why Kenny Clark is awesome. Nick Bosa is great. Fred Warner is great. With Kenny Clark, it's like, well, actually, he's really good. The, the problem is he's just got a bunch of pumpkins playing next to him, and, and 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 that's why you don't really see highlight plays. Well, Preston Smith is good. He just he, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they, they, You need a precursor to explain why some of these players on the Packers defense are good. It's not obvious. It doesn't jump off the screen. They don't hit hard and play smash-mouth football the way that some of these other teams and their defenders do. Fred Warner's terrifying. Nick Bosa is terrifying. Some of these other defense, these defensive linemen, they're terrifying. Do the Packers' defenders scare anyone? Jair's great, but he can't wreck a game. He's a corner. He can shut down a receiver. He can shut down Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel. Okay, great. What about every other part of it? They'll just run the ball. They don't need to throw the ball in the Packers. They've shown that the last couple of times they played. So frustrating. I don't want to go into another game against the Niners behind Dean Lowry Tyler Lancaster, Chris Barnes. Like, I just, I'm so tired. And it's in San Fran. And it's on Sunday Night Football. Someone come shoot me in the head. Please. I don't want to do this anymore. I just know what's going to happen on Sunday. What's the line, by the way? I wonder if it's up. Uh, Pinnacle. Sorry. we I, I got a second here. I want to talk about Jay Sternberger um, and his release today. And I have a larger point about the Packers and the way they handle their personnel and we'll use Jay Sternberger as kind of a jumping-off point to have that conversation. But first, I want to look at the line this weekend. Because I feel terrible about this game. Let's see if Vegas agrees. Sunday night, football. Okay. The Packers are... Assuming the Packers are plus 3.5. That's a fat line. Plus 3. Are the Packers plus 3.5? I'm still confused. I'm trying to figure out this dashboard. Packers are plus 151 on the money line. Okay, yeah, so the Niners are favored. Good. I'm not an idiot. I can I can read betting odds. Or yeah, I can do it. Oh, yeah. That's this is going to be a slaughter. This is going to be a slaughter. Once it gets over 3, that extra half point over 3, once it gets above a field goal, every half point or point above that field goal is a big deal because now you're talking about a touchdown, not just 3 points. Even if it's 4, you still need a touchdown to cover that. I I feel terrible about this game. Let's take a break. Let's talk about Jay Sternberger. More thoughts on the Packers and their defense, and I guess really whatever you want to talk about. 608 796 2558, the talking text line. More coming up after this.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Sports show. We're talking about the Packers. We kind of got off the rails. I'm just dreading this 49ers game. It's on Sunday night football and everyone's gonna see it. And oh, God. Kyle Shanahan's gonna dog walk Joe Barry up and down the field and everyone's gonna call the Packers soft and it's gonna become personal and it just, oh. It's only week three. When does the NBA start? I put a poll on Twitter yesterday. I want to do a segment on Ben Simmons versus Daryl Morey and clutch sports. But I, I gave it up to the people. I said, vote in the poll. And like 60% of people said no. So we'll talk about the trenches or Packers football things. Manly things. Men. Men. Football. Ah. 608-796-2558. Surveyor Sam says, trade a first for Leonard Williams. And now we have a front two that other teams have to choose who to double team. If you're all in for this year, then show it. Make a splash move. If the Packers traded a first-round pick for anyone, I will eat more food out of the street. No, I will. What will I do? If the Packers trade a first-round pick for somebody, what would be a fun bit for the show? What would I do? I will sing a, I will sing a song on the air. I will bring my guitar in, and I will sing a song on the air. I don't know what song. I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. If they do that, I, I will be shocked. I will. My jaw will hit the floor. I don't know if I'll be able to do a show that's how surprised I'll be. But could they deal a third or a fourth for somebody? I don't know. Like, Jamie Collins is available. The Lions say he's free today. And I was going to talk about this before, Jamie, before the Jamie Collins news came up. If you're all in on this year, I don't know how you can run Lowry and Lancaster and company out there. And I don't disagree that maybe you can try TJ Slayton or Heflin. Why not? You can't get much worse. You can get a little worse. You can't get much worse. Uh, Mad Mike says, this is a must-must-must-win game with San Fran. Mm, uh, I'm not sure. Let me think more about that. John texts in and says, would Mike Daniels help or hurt the D-line? There's no way in heck that he could hurt it. I love Mike Daniels. Maybe we overrated him slightly in his time in Green Bay. Maybe. I'm willing to admit that. But... I, yeah, he couldn't hurt. No, None of these guys can hurt. You could not get any worse. Let's talk about Jay Sternberger. The Packers released him. He cleared waivers and signed on the Seahawks practice squad. That's a bummer for him. And I'm glad that he found another home, right? Another third-round pick that's busted for the Packers. Also, if we're keeping up to date with our hot takes that we had before the season when Bart Winkler joined us, uh, not going great. I said breakout season from DeGuara. That take is down but not out. Uh, Bart said huge season for Sternberger. Does it still count if he has a huge season in Seattle? Maybe. We'll revisit that. Uh, We'll see on Randall Cobb's volume and if Zedaria Smith can stay healthy. Packers offensive line has actually looked pretty good. So maybe my concern about that was unwarranted. Although if Elton Jenkins misses time now, that might change, especially against the Niners. That could be bad. That could go south quickly. So after an illustrious career with the Packers, this is what we're looking at for Sternberger. 12 catches, 114 yards and a meaningless touchdown in 18 career games. That touchdown was in garbage time. Interestingly enough, against the Niners in 2019 in the NFC Championship game, I completely forgot about that because if I'm being honest, I was depressed and in the bag at that point in the game. Jay Sternberger, 12 catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown in 18 career games. Well, at least he was healthy and available. That's something I would say if he was healthy and available, which he was not. (laughs) He reportedly had lazy practice habits. He got suspended for PEDs. And him and Aaron Rodgers didn't get along. Other than that, though, really good pick. Other than all of those factors, really nailed it. This pick hurts a little bit extra because Terry McLaurin went the pick after Jay Sternberger. He's a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Probably my favorite player in the league that doesn't play for the Packers. I don't want to overanalyze this pick, Jay Sternberger, from the 2019 draft and turn this into a referendum on the Packers' draft methods. Um, but I'm gonna. <laughs> because the Packers have been absolutely allergic to hitting their third-round picks over the last couple of years. We have Oren Burks, Montrevius Adams, Kyler Fackrell, Ty Montgomery, Kyrie Thornton, Alex Green. Not a great list. Although, to be fair to Ty Montgomery, I think if you replay... Ty Montgomery's career being drafted into the Packers 10 times. I think the Packers got one of the worst versions, and I'm not sure it's the fault of Ty Montgomery. He got hurt early on with a high ankle sprain that basically messed up his entire rookie year. Then out of necessity, they had to move him to running back. It's not like they're like, whoa, he's better as a running back. I'm not convinced. Maybe he would have been a half-decent wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers, but they had to move him there because they had no running backs on the team in 2016. They had Eddie Lacy and James Starks, both were garbage or injured, so they had to convert a wide receiver. I think they got one of the worst possible outcomes with the career of Ty Montgomery. I will be kind to him. I think all of these picks are a symptom of a problem that the Packers have with the way that they draft, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. First, let's talk to Eric on I-90 on the talk and text line. Eric, good day. How are you?
4: I'm good, Grant. How are you?
0: I am swell, although I'm dreading this 49ers game, and it's weighing on my heart and my soul.
4: Um, I can't say that. I don't think that you're wrong on that. I, you know, um, you know, Sidarius Smith being out, you were talking about defensive lines earlier. You know, it's uh, the Vikings' offensive line or defensive line. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. is a
0: really good defensive line with Deniel Hunter on it. Are, are you list, are you he wanting to trade? The whole ship. Really? Are you wanting to trade your no. star pass rusher?
4: No, no, he's a really good defense. It's a good defensive line, right? Okay. He can see the better play this year already. Um and the same thing with uh, Sedarius Smith, right? Mhm. That whole group is a lot better defensive line with him.
0: So you're saying they just missed Sedarius Smith when he comes back that'll lift everyone up a little bit. Is that what you're saying? Posi- positivity here.
4: I mean, yeah, there's some other issues too. You know, I I, I guess I don't I don't know. I think the, I think the Niners are going to win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I do, I do. I mean, and of course I'm a Viking fan, so sure. I'm hoping the Niners win. But realistically, I think that you're 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 on you're spot on on that.
0: What is that? I'm optimistic, yep.
4: Vikings fan.
0: So. Okay, you're an optimistic I'm Vikings optimistic. fan. That's a tough boat to be in.
4: Right. I we'll do an optimistic Vikings fan segment here on okay. Wednesday. Um. I think the Vikings are, are looking a lot better. I mean, Kirk Cousins has actually put some
0: drives together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's looked like a leader, B- believe it or not. Hmm. You don't think so? No, I, I was going to let you keep, keep going. Expand on that. Tell me more. I don't disagree, necessarily. And I do
4: believe the defense is playing better. And I think we're going to win. I think we're going to beat Seattle. And I actually think we're going to contend for this division.
0: If you guys beat if, Seattle this because, weekend, yeah, we'll have a division.
4: Only because I think that I think that the Packers have they haven't improved in defense. And I do believe that this drama with Aaron Rodgers is is going to I mean he he kind of called his shot, didn't he? It's it's Super Bowl or bust for him, right? Mm-hmm. If he doesn't take this team to the Super Bowl and win it, you know, he's not coming back. He's not.
0: I think right? he might be gone regardless. I think this is his last year in Green Bay no matter what happens.
4: I mean, he's calling the shot. So, and yeah, he had some great throws the other night. I mean, he's a great quarterback. But I think it's kind of unfair, too. You know, you watch the football game. They'll zoom in on Aaron Rodgers' face every time there's, a bad play. Have you noticed
0: that? Yeah, they're always looking like for facial expressions. Play, yes, absolutely. They're always looking for it because he's, he's really a target for the media now. Yeah. It's somewhat unfair. Well, I, it is. I wrote this down during the game, Eric. I, I wrote this down in my notes. I said, the cameras are always looking for Aaron Rodgers' facial expressions, which is kind of funny and maybe unfair. But also, if Rodgers doesn't want them to do that, then maybe he should stop making bad facial expressions. You know what I mean? Like, he invites that in.
4: Right, right. I mean, he's he's getting exactly what he asked for. Um, he's getting a lot of attention. And, you know, it's not the Packers' fault that they, Detroit was on their schedule and Detroit self-destructed. Amen. Right? No, they, won hey, the amen. they won the game. They won the game.
0: They absolutely so, did.
4: I don't know. Bucks are going to be playing here in a few weeks.
0: <laughs> there you go. We'll have,
4: some, we'll have some good things to talk about there. And I do. I believe the Vikings are going to beat Seattle. And I think we're going to contend for this division with Green Bay. Only because Green Bay, I believe, their signs in the beginning of this year are they're down a little bit. They're just down. Yeah. Thanks for taking my call, Trant.
0: Yeah, Eric, quit, quit driving over the rumble strips. Keep it in between the mustard and the mayo there, bud. It sounds like you're swerving yeah. a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's rough out here. It's rough out here. <laughs> Drive safe, buddy. Thanks for the call. Yep. Bye. We have... We have texters and tweeters. I've never gotten texted tweets that quick. Jeremy and Skani tweets and says, your man needs to keep it between the lines out on I-90. Duck Holman says, Eric shouldn't be driving drunk. Yeah, I heard that too. What the hell? <laughs> Eric, stop running into the rumble strip on the side of the highway. Although, although to be fair to Eric, I think there are stretches of I-90, especially towards Toma right now that are down to one lane. So they kind of move you over to the side. So maybe, maybe that's what he was hitting. Eric's always been a safe driver. We've never had issues on the phone before. Maybe that was it. I will give Eric the benefit of the doubt there. Thank you for the call. 608-796-2558. God, keep it between the mustard and the mayo, Eric. Take it easy out there. Talking a little bit about how Jay Sternberger has been released by the Packers. They just have a run of terrible third-round picks. Adams, Burks, Kyler Fackrell, Tyler Mon- or Ty Montgomery. That's Travis Adams, by the way, not Devontae Adams. I think some of these picks are a little bit of a sign. It's a symptom of, I think, a problem that the Packers have when they're drafting. I think sometimes the Packers draft like they are trying to prove how smart they are. Like, they, they draft just to show that they are smarter than everyone else in the room. And everyone always said that Ted Thompson was always trying to draft to fit square pegs into round holes. That's too specific. I, I don't think that's the problem. I think that the Packers draft like they're trying to prove how smart they are. And sometimes, God bless them, it works. But sometimes it bites them. And I think in the third round, it's like, okay, we're going to take Jay Sternberger. Well, why don't you take the proven guy from Ohio State, right? Well, Terry McLaurin didn't have the production at Ohio State. Okay, well, neither did Rashawn Gary at Michigan, but y'all took him 12th overall, okay? I just, sometimes it seems like they're trying to outsmart everybody. 2017, the most obvious pick in the draft. First round to Mr. Irrelevant at the end of the seventh was for the Packers to take TJ Watt. And they traded back and they took Tevin King. Which wasn't absurd, right? They needed a corner. It wasn't stupid, but they chose to do something that wasn't obvious. They said, Oh, TJ Watt's the slam dunk pink. That's what everyone says. Okay, well, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna take Kevin King. Sometimes the wisdom of the masses is right. If 99% of people tell you to do something, maybe you should do it. Right? Maybe you should have drafted TJ Watt. And I'm not somebody who dwells on that pick. It's in the past, but it was the bad it was a bad pick. It was a wrong pick. The twenty eighteen draft, the Packers were at fourteen. They trade back to 27 with New Orleans, then back up to 18 with Seattle. And when you can pick up an extra first-round pick, absolutely, but a lot of folks were like, "What? A, just stick and pick. Take Derwin James. He's the obvious stud. And they finagled and finessed and moved around a little bit. Now, Jair Alexander worked out, and they got an extra first, but it wasn't the obvious move. They took the roundabout way. It works sometimes. It worked in 2018. It absolutely did not work in 2017. 2019. They took Rashawn Gary. A lot of people didn't like that. He didn't produce in Michigan. He didn't have the stats. He didn't have the sacks. What the heck? Why not take Brian Burns, right? And then when they took Darnell Savage, everyone says, well, if you wanted a safety all along, why didn't you just take Derwin James? Now, those picks have worked out okay. I like Darnell Savage. I'm lukewarm on Rashawn Gary. 2020 draft, we obviously know how people felt about Jordan Love. It's like, well, why'd you do that? Could have just taken Patrick Queen or a wide receiver, T. Higgins, Chase Claypool. Laviska to any of those guys, right? Not the obvious thing. And then they like an H-back in the third round. Okay, great. Talk about trying to outsmart the room. Uh, Mad Mike, if you don't call this game a must-win on Sunday, then it's a loss. Book it. I My, my record in calling must-wins hasn't been so great. Um, Jason says, in Eric's defense, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I think he must be on the stretch of I-90 where it goes down to one lane, and then they scoot you over to the right side. If you're heading... On uh, 90, like in between West, or not West Salem, but in between Sparta and Toma, it's down to one lane. I'm sure that's what happened. Uh, Walter Texan says, do you think the Packers defense needs a shellacking from the 49ers in order for a move to be made? Wow, that's an interesting point. Walter, not a bad idea. Maybe they need to get blown out on national TV for them to make a change. That would suck because then we'd need a nationally televised blowout two times in three weeks for a change to be made. Well, we were reading the press clippings. Now we won't do that because we got blasted by the Saints. Oh, we need a defensive lineman that can actually play. Well, we know that now after we get blasted by the Niners on Sunday night football. Great. Awesome. Uh, if, if My dad texts in, if the opposing quarterback is, or is this my dad? I don't think this is, This is a different Tom. Sorry. No, this isn't my dad. We have more than one Tom. Tom says, if the opposing quarterback is constantly laying on the ground, You don't need to draft a corner. Tom Wright, you are. That T.J. Watt was the obvious pick, and the Packers said, no, we're going to try to be smarter, and they went with Kevin King, which wasn't the worst pick in the world. They needed a corner, too, but 99% of the world said T.J. Watt's the obvious pick, and the Packers said, no. Sometimes, I think they like to try to prove how smart they are, and sometimes it bites them in the butt, and I think Jay Sternberger, who's now been released, is another example of that. Let's talk a little bit more about the Packers, wrap up the Wisco Sports Show, coming up after this.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.